Good morning. It's great to be with you. Thank you again to Rob and to you all for the opportunity to come and share with you today. We are really grateful. I realise it's a break in your program on Colossians, but I'm sure you're looking forward to get, getting back to that next week. Every time I think of Colossians, I think of a friend in Africa, Peter Materia. Some of you met him in 2016. Peter said, what Africa needs today is the gospel according to Colossians, Christ supreme. He said, if everyone's life is full with Christ supreme, the witch doctor, the taboos, the traditional African religions fall aside. And I'm sure here today too, we, we need Christ supreme. But thank you again for the opportunity to talk. I would like to thank you as a church for your support of Robert and I and our ministry with Africa in their mission. We're grateful for that and we thank you very much. Thank you to our volunteers too that come and join with us and help. Judy's coming every week. Um, others come at different times to help with our mail-outs. We're looking forward to when we can get you all back together and we can party. It's, um, it's a little bit... Res <laughs> That's right, have scones instead of... Instead of uh, just missing out, we, Robert mentioned we had a, an event planned for here on the 5th of September to celebrate the 125th with a guest speaker from the UK and the Waldocks as well. Unfortunately, we've cancelled that, but we, we look forward to time where we can share together. But thank you again for all your support. The last seven or eight months have been a bit crazy. Agree? <laughs> We've seen the outbreak of COVID. We've seen here in Australia things go in and out of lockdown. The world's crazy in Melbourne right now. Sydney's on a tender hook. The Premier's advising us all to wear a mask to church, they have masks on it, trains, masks um, as we move around shopping. So life, life is a bit crazy. Across in the USA, they've had 160,000 deaths in this last few months, more than they've lost in three major wars, World War I, Korea and Vietnam. They're on their way to losing perhaps the number they lost in World War II, in the 200,000s. What's going on? What's going on? Today we're going to have a look at the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk is how I pronounce it. Others will pronounce it different. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we'll look at Habakkuk. He too was facing very difficult times. So let's, let's look at the, um, the setting of Habakkuk. There's people pronounce it in different ways, but I think there's some in, in the room here today that might see people building airplanes with aluminum, but then others of us might build an aeroplane with aluminium. All the same. So it's um, Habakkuk, however you like to, to say it, it's fine. Interesting book. He, he, when I decided to, to speak on this, I in the beginning of the pandemic, I was using the, the prayer in Habakkuk, which was read to us so well today, to encourage our workers in Africa and encourage our supporters, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, I will still exult in the Lord. 
But there's so much more to the book of Habakkuk. Why, what brought him to that point? So let's, let's look at the, uh, the context and the, the structure of the book. But he was a man facing extraordinary times. So Habakkuk was set in about 600 years before Christ, 600 BC, or a bit before. Probably the date of 607 BC, so that's a bit later than 600, or a bit earlier rather, than 600. You remember when you talk about BC, the bigger the number, the longer ago it was, whereas you get to AD and come, it's the opposite way. So we're looking at around 607 BC. So what was going on then? There was an army called the Chaldeans. They had taken over Babylonia, Babylonia's modern-day Iraq and Syria, and they were on the rampage in about 612 or 607 in that area, they had ransacked Nineveh, you know Nineveh, from the scriptures, and they were on the move. And Habakkuk is living around that time. Probably two years after Habakkuk, Judah was ransacked by the Chaldeans. Jerusalem was ransacked. People like Daniel were taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, we're talking about the country of um, Habakkuk. We're talking about Judea. 300 or so years before Habakkuk, we had King David and Solomon. And there we had a, a country of Israel. But now Israel and Judea are a split. Israel to the north, Judea to the south, and the capital of Jerusalem. So they're there. Judea usually comprised the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, the other ten tribes were in Israel. So that's the setting. The structure of Habakkuk is, is interesting. It's fairly simple. Habakkuk complains to God. God answers. He complains again. God answers again. Habakkuk prays. Only three, three chapters. And if you haven't found it yet, it's only five books into the Old Testament from the New Testament. So it's the fifth last book in the Old Testament. But let's look a little bit at the complaints. Habakkuk's first complaint was that God was not judging Judah. Judah was living an evil life. They had an evil king, probably Jehoiakim. He was known for his idolatry. Things were going wild and Habakkuk said, God, you haven't judged Judah. What's going on? Mostly the prophets are speaking out against the people, but here Habakkuk's taking a prayer to God. God answers him and says, don't you worry. It's all under control. I'm going to use the Chaldean army, that ruthless army that's just wiped out Nineveh. They're going to come and take Judah. Habakkuk wasn't too happy with that. He complains again, how can you use an army that is more evil than the people of Judah to punish Judah? Challenge, isn't it? <laughs> and then God said, you just watch and behold, I'm going to do an amazing thing. And he explains that he'll bring the army in and then eventually that army will disappear. And it did. But at 538 BC, the Chaldean army was no more. 
wiped from history. And then after Habakkuk hears all this, he goes and prays. But probably the greatest lesson from Habakkuk is that he has to trust God. In difficult times, he has to trust God. And I think that's a message for us today. We're in difficult times. We need to be trusting God. I'd like to just drill down a little bit more. Let's um, just catch up here. Let's have a, a little bit closer look to God's answer to Habakkuk in chapter 1. Sorry. Oh, we're not there. Yeah, chapter 1, verse 5. When Habakkuk complains to him that he is not, God is not punishing the Judah, he says, as up on this, the board there, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. So God's setting the scene. He's just telling Habakkuk to trust him. He is going to use this evil army to bring justice. When, when I read that verse, I think of the present time. What, maybe we need to be sitting and beholding what God is doing. We're in the middle of a pandemic, but what, what is God doing? I'm hearing stories on the internet that record numbers of Bibles are being read on the, online. The kids' Bible app is being hit millions of more times than ever before. People are turning to God. I hear stories in Africa where... Um, People are forced into lockdown and now they're using their WhatsApp on their phone to share Bible stories, video Bible stories with their group of contacts. And these people are hungering to hear the scriptures and the Bible stories and they're sharing them. There's a pastor in Madagascar. He's suddenly got this opportunity where others can't move around, but he's able to move around and visit uh, villages. He tells them about the COVID restrictions and their precautions, but he shares the gospel with them. And people are coming to Christ. So God is doing some amazing things in some difficult times. So let's just look and behold, look at what the, he's, he's doing. So, um, where are we? So we could look at perhaps the next one where we got the. Um, he goes on. He just explains that he's going to raise up the Babylonians, and take them. So this same passage is is used in the, the New Testament as well, where Paul is speaking in Acts. Our next slide, <clears throat> where he's encouraged those that are listening to him to also just take and behold and don't don't miss out on what God is doing. And in that case, it was warning scoffers not to miss the salvation in Christ. But let's just take time to just think and consider what God is doing. You know, in AIM, we're being encouraged to be like the men of Issachar, men who could discern the times, knew what God was doing and knew which way they should go. And I think that's a challenge to us as a church. Let us just stop and behold and just... Ponder what God is doing in these strange times.
again. Okay. So we'll move on a little. <clears throat> God's, let's have a look at God's second answer. God's answer was, for the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it lingers, for it will certainly come, it will not delay. So he's talking about the Chaldeans coming in and then the ultimate demise of the Chaldeans. And he said, that it's all going to happen. Just be patient, but just trust. So we go, go on to... Um, yeah, let's take to the next line. This is probably the key verse of the whole book of Habakkuk. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness. God is saying, you're in difficult times, but hang on, be faithful. Be faithful to me and you will survive. It's a, an amazing challenge, isn't it? Be faithful. <clears throat> God is calling the righteous to live by faith. The African Bible commentary said there are those are any, or he's saying the righteous here are anyone who lives in conformity to God's will and the Mosaic law. Most of Judea had gone off the rails, but there were some that had stayed and God's word to them was, hang in, stay firm. Read... I don't know if you've heard of the Halley's Bible Handbook. And Halley says this, Faith is the ability to feel so sure of God, there is no doubt as to the outcome. For God's people, there is a glorious future. So he's looking a bit beyond the present. He's looking to the eternal hope that we have. And that eternal hope needs to be our inspiration. It may be a long way off, but it's absolutely sure. In the midst of gloom and despair, Habakkuk was the optimist supreme. So, you know, Habakkuk was facing difficult times. God is telling him here, the faithful shall live, or the righteous shall live by their faith. The Apostle Paul picks this verse up some more. Let's go on. He picks it up, well, it's used three times in the New Testament. It has a slightly different meaning. It's really talking about having faith in Christ. The Judean nation at the time didn't, hadn't seen Christ. But here, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Again, he uses it in Galatians. Clear, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. And again in Hebrews, but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in him who shrinks back. So not only do we live by faith, we need to have courage and push on. Do not shrink back. What better time to have faith in God than now when things are so uncertain? We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We can't believe what yesterday was like. Let's, let's have faith in God. We need to live by faith in God in uncertain times. We get to um, <clears throat> Habakkuk's prayer. 
Now, Habakkuk's been through this dialogue with God and he's, he's strengthened his faith. It's not a blind faith. It's been a faith in which Habakkuk has questioned God and God has answered. And now he gets to chapter 3 and he burst into song, literally. He, he wrote this as a psalm to put to music and to sing. But it's a song that declares Habakkuk's faith, but it shows courage. It shows hope. Let's have a look in um, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. In time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. He's declaring his faith. He's questioned God. He's heard God's answers. And he declares that, Lord, I am with you. God's awesomeness makes Habakkuk tremble. And based on God's greatness, he calls for divine help. Now let's, in verse 3, it's, we won't have that on the board, but he talks about some of the great things that God has done. Timon in Eden, this relates to God's actions and revealing his nature in the Sinai Desert during the Exodus. Then he talks about God's coming and his power is revealed in a storm. In verse 11, the sun and the moon stood still in the heavens and the glint of your flying arrows. Perhaps he's talking there about the time in Joshua where the sun stood still for a day or so and while Joshua fought the battle. Even the forces of nature were, were used for God's purposes. In verse 16, Habakkuk notes he waits for the calamity with trembling legs to come into the nation. So he's waiting for the Chaldeans with trembling. But then in verse 17, he bursts into song. Though the fig tree does not bud or blossom, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, and though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet Will I rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in the God my Saviour. Can we say that in these difficult times? You know, you think of Romans 8, 28. We're assured that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. A great reason for us to have faith in him. In John 3.16, we are told that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17, he said he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save it. But however, some are condemned already because they have not believed in the son whom God sent. We need to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ Place our faith in God the Father and believe. Believe that he will care for us in this day and age right now and look forward to the eternal hope of glory with him. So what a, what a great reason for us to put our trust in him. So let us sing and pray with Habakkuk, a song of joy, faith and hope. Thank you. So I'd like to... Um, to close today, and I'd just like to share a thought on Habakkuk. One of the Bible commentaries I read, I think it's the New Bible Commentary, says Habakkuk, in his fellowship with God, he found that there is nothing 
more important than his fellowship with God. Let me read that again. In his fellowship with God, he found there is nothing more important than his fellowship with God. So Habakkuk come to God with complaints, with questions. God answered. There was a great dialogue happening. And in the end, Habakkuk was able to declare, though everything be laid bare by the Chaldeans, I still will trust in you. I remember I wrote a letter in March. I had a, had a go at um, putting the prayer of Habakkuk in modern-day terms, and I can't remember it all now, but it went something like this. Though the coronavirus blossom, there'd be no toilet paper in the store. Though the centered lick line is very long, we may not have food anymore. Yet will I exult in God. Put it into our context, you know. We're in difficult times. We have a God that we can trust. We need to rejoice in him and have faith in him and be trusting God. When we trust God, we can thrive in extraordinary times. Thank you for the time of sharing and um, may God bless you. Thank you, Lynn and Robin, both for sharing the updates with AIM and thanks for the message from Habakkuk. Have a cook. So, yeah, it's encouraging, isn't it? I, it's funny. I, I was just chatting with April this morning saying, you know, I trust that God is sovereign over all things. I'm not just saying that because it's the right thing. I, I, I will die for that. Like, I trust that God is sovereign over every meticulous detail in this universe. And he is sovereign over the, over the coronavirus. And I, I've been encouraged, actually, um, I could go on and on, but the sermon's already been given. But um, how the Lord has actually, I've watched some of you, even through difficult times, grow in this church. Um, and, and I feel like the Lord is actually growing our church in breadth and depth here. Um, yeah, so I, I've been very encouraged by that. It's caused me just to really trust the Lord more, not like, oh, well, this is, I had a friend of mine who's not a Christian, and I was surfing with him at Avoca, I don't know, like a month ago. He goes, oh, it looks like the church is going to go out of business. And he wasn't being cheeky. Like in his mind, he just thinks you got to have a lot of people in order to make it work. And if, look, no one can meet anymore and sing anymore, so it must be, it's, it's over. But for 2,000 years, the church, Christ is the one who builds his church, even in difficult times. So uh, not only add numerically, that's fine. That's great. I want to see us growing in breadth and depth in, our gra in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So um, if you're here this morning and you identify as a Christian, that you are trusting in the righteousness of Jesus by faith. You know that Habakkuk, the righteous will live by faith, right? And Romans says the just, right? The righteous will live by faith. Faith alone in, in Jesus Christ, his work on the cross, in your place, he stood condemned, was raised to life. If that's you and you're clinging to that reality now, right now, and you'd be ready to, like if you were to die right now, fall over dead and face God, 
and say yes. And you, as, you're, as you die, you can confidently say, I can stand before God, not condemned because of Jesus. And I am a Christian because of that reality. The actual objective fact that Jesus Christ died in my place. If you can say without a shadow of a doubt that you're a Christian, I encourage you to participate in having communion now with God through the, remembering these elements together. The bread or the wafer represent his body broken for you. The juice represent the blood that was poured out for you. If, if that's you, I want you to celebrate that. Let's celebrate that together as a church family. If not, then we want you to really think about that. I mean, this is life or death, friends. This isn't just like a, a dorky little thing that we come to, to do on Sundays because we got nothing else better going on. Like if that's, if that's not you, then I really want you to ponder and think about this as these elements pass by. And please don't leave here. Talk to the person who either you came with or the person that you know and you, or myself, and we'd love to share more about what it means to, to get in a right relationship with God. But for those, of us, sorry, for those of us that are in Christ, this is a time to celebrate. So I'd ask the helpers to distribute uh, the wafer and the juice. And as Ross instructed us earlier, go ahead and get it all ready. Hold on to it together. We'll take it as a church family after this song.